Hello, I'm Vincenzo Genovese, journalist in Brussels, where I follow European news. Today's topic is far-right rise across Europe and its possible consequences on the next term of the European Parliament. In many of the 27 member states of the European Union, nationalist and deeply conservative parties are gaining support in the run-up to the European elections in June. Some have already triumphed in recent national elections, such as the Brothers of Italy on the peninsula or the Party for Freedom in the Netherlands. Others have made their way into regional governments such as Vox in Spain or have long maintained political prominence such as the Law and Justice Party in Poland. These political forces share similarities. Often led by a charismatic party leader, they tend to be sovereignist and protectionist. They share a narrative against irregular immigration and oppose further European integration. But they are also divided on some key issues, such as the position on the war in Ukraine. And in the European Parliament, they do not form a single united political group. But two distinct ones, the European Conservatives and Reformists, ECR, and the Identity and Democracy, ID, groups. With 78 and 59 MEPs, respectively, these groups are the fifth and sixth largest political group in the current chamber, opposing the cross-party majority formed by the People's Party, EPP, the Socialist, S&D, the Liberals, Renew Europe, and the Greens. However, with many of these parties set to increase their numbers, this scenario could change after the June elections. The last forecast by the European Council on Foreign Relations, a think tank, puts the ID at 98 seats and the ECR at 85, in a race to become the third and fourth largest groups. This would radically change the balance and could become a potential game-changer in European politics, as acknowledged by Marco Zanni, MEP for the Italian League and current ID president. I met him after a debate at the Parliament's plenary session in Strasbourg. Marco Zanni, what are your ambitions for the next parliamentary term? We have set ourselves the goal of having more and more weight in the Parliament, where we hope the majority will change and better numbers will obviously help. But even if that is not the case, we know that it will be very fragmented Parliament over the next five years. The current coalition pact, which is already in trouble in these weeks, and in the last plenary sessions, will be in even more trouble in the next five years. And that is why we want to make our votes count in the context of a divided parliament. The far-right groups cannot win a majority of 361 MEPs on their own. Still, they may be able to join forces with the center-right European People's Party to form a new right-wing power bloc. This would break the alliance between the EPP and the Socialists and Democrats that has dominated the European politics up to now. In fact, this is the pattern of government in Italy, where the parties of the EPP, the ECR and the ID are together at the helm. Italy, by the way, is the only EU country with two strong parties on the far right. Marco Zanni, is your group available to join the ruling majority in the next European Parliament? 
We certainly rule out forming a majority with the left and the Greens because the political distance is side-real. We hold them responsible for the failures we've seen in Europe in these 30 years of ruling, especially the socialist group with the EPP. So we need a change of pace, we need a more coherent majority. So what we rule out is an absolute majority with the socialists. Then we will see, on the day after the elections, what the proposals will be. We're not saying yes or no to anyone a priori, we're going to listen. We want a change of pace. That's the only political requirement. And we'll decide who to support, who not to support, if there is a possibility of an alternative majority. Do you think this is enough for this group to be successful, Mr. Zanni? The challenge for the ID group, given these large numbers, will be precisely to make our votes count, which means perhaps a change of pace from what we have seen in the past in this group. So, more coordination, more consultation between the delegations, precisely because, in short, being united in one position will give us a much greater negotiating advantage in what we consider to be a potentially weak coalition pact and a parliament that will probably seek modular majorities on individual issues according to the preferences of the political groups. Lack of unity is indeed a major problem, not only for the ID group, but perhaps for the far right itself, given that it's more difficult to unite nationalist parties on supranational positions. Together, the two extreme right-wing groups could even form the largest political family in the European Parliament. But a merge is off the table, as explained to me Nicola Procaccini, MEP for the party Brothers of Italy and co-president of the ECR group, in the same, very busy, plenary session in Strasbourg. Procaccini, is there any chance you could merge with ID into a big far-right group? There is no such possibility, because in any case, we are two different groups with different political specificities. The one I have the honor to chair comes from a conservative political tradition that has roots and characteristics different from the ID, with whom we work well, just as we work well with the EPP, and sometimes even with Renew Europe. But we are different. The union of the ECR and ID is almost impossible, not least because of the internal balance of power between the two groups. In April 2021, a meeting between League leader Matteo Salvini and the Prime Ministers of Poland and Hungary, Mateusz Morawiecki and Viktor Orban, was supposed to be the first step toward building a European Renaissance. But nothing concrete came out of it. A more likely scenario would be for one of the two groups to attract new far-right parties across Europe, perhaps even stealing members from the other. At the beginning of February, the French party Reconquête, founded by Eric Zemmour, joined the European Conservatives and Reformists, bringing it one MEP, Nicolas B, for the time being, and probably others during the next legislature. 
But the biggest gain for conservatives and reformists could come from Hungary. Prime Minister Viktor Orbán's party, Fidesz, was part of the European People's Party group until March 2021, when it was suspended due to growing differences with the other members. Essentially, Orbán's eurosceptic stance was no longer acceptable to the other members of the group. A subsequent change in the group's rules of procedure, which made it easier to suspend its members, was the final straw for the Fidesz members to slam the door on the group. The 13 Fidesz MEPs do not belong to any political family at the moment, and this is the way in which they will finish their term in office. But after the election, a new membership is most likely. Viktor Orbán himself has told journalists that he is ready for a move to the ECR party after June. Welcoming Fidesz party could strongly influence the vision of the group about the European Union. While the ID parties are generally hard and pure sovereignists, in some cases even in favor of leaving the EU, the ECR has a more complex position vis-à-vis the European Union. President Procaccini, what is the essence of your political group? We are a conservative and moderate right-wing force that believes in Europe, but that also believes in the original idea of Europe, which is not the federalist Europe, which unfortunately seems to be gaining ground among certain members of the EPP. We believe that the European model should be the confederal model, which does not make the nations disappear, as the federalist model does, but which rather strengthens them and brings them together on a few important points, rather than on a myriad of issues that invade and penetrate the lives of all European citizens, as we tend to do today. The big question now is what the far right will and won't do if it comes to power after the elections. To try to answer this question, I sat down with Doru Frantescu, an expert on the subject and founder of EU Matrix, a Brussels based think tank on European politics. According to Frantescu, many of the far right parties see themselves as pro European, although they are not seen as such in Brussels. More nuance is therefore needed when describing them as Eurosceptics. Landscape has become more nuanced than it was, let's say, uh, 10 years ago. Now, certain parties across the continent criticize certain policies, specific policies, like the economic policy, migration policy, or, uh, let's say, cultural integration, whereas they support defense uh, integration, whereas they uh, support uh, the single market. And this is the case of many parties in the ECR. So, uh, there are nuances and nuances. We need to, 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 to pay attention to this because, let's say, in the United States, if uh, a party criticizes uh, certain policies in Washington, they're not called uh, Americano-skeptics. Some parties are Eurosceptic because they feel they have little influence on the decision-making process in Brussels, Frantescu notes. They will become more pro-European once they have more skin in the game. There is a chance, it doesn't necessarily happen uh, automatically, but there is a chance that they will moderate their position. Not all of them, but some of them. Why? Because uh, if they want to become mainstream parties, if they want to be in government and take the responsibility for the governing act, then of course uh, they need to behave in a more responsible manner and therefore uh, uh, they, they start changing uh, their policies. 
For him, the turning point comes when a far-right party leads a national government exactly like what happened in the case of the Brothers of Italy. Doru Francesco, what is this party doing at EU level now that they are leading the Italian government? Soon enough they will send also a commissioner, they will have another uh, line of influencing uh, policies in Brussels and therefore they're part of the game and they want to be uh, part of the game, especially Meloni. In the case of some other parties, like uh, Marine Le Pen's Rassemblement National, the situation is a bit different. They're not in the government, they have uh, very little connection with Brussels, they only have a big delegation of MEPs, but that's far from enough to influence uh, European policies. The biggest change in future European politics may not come directly from the groups on the far right of the European hemicycle, but rather from their possible influence on the moderate right-wing party, the EPP. The latter is likely to be confirmed as the largest group in the polls, but will more or less maintain its current size, while those to its right will increase their number of seats. So what will the impact be for the People's Party, Mr. Francesco? Politically, it will be in a very delicate position, the, the EPP, because they will have to make some delicate choices on whether to create coalitions with the center forces, with Renew, uh, the socialists, or really navigate towards the right and, and uh, make uh, coalitions with uh, ECR and even uh, the nationalists of ID and others in, in, in that zone, which uh, would put them in, in a delicate position electorally-wise. With the European Parliament leaning heavily to the right, this election will determine the future of EU policy in many areas, not least its commitment to climate and environmental transition. That's all for today. More information and views on the European institutions in the next episode of Voices from Brussels. Stay tuned!